Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. It's a very special day for us folks because Robert Osborne, the wonderful host of Turner Classic Movies, and award-winning actress Rita Moreno are here to help us celebrate the 60th anniversary of Singing in the Rain, my all-time favorite movie. Plus, film historian James Colt Harrison and Diana Sanger from Classic Movie Guide will also be joining us. And we'll be playing a clip of the legendary Debbie Reynolds talking about working on this classic musical, which will be back on the big screen in select theaters for one day this Thursday. It should be a great show. But before we get started, let's check with Nikki Starr to see if all systems are going in the chat room. Nikki, is the chat room ready for listeners to sign in? It is ready, and we are very excited. Can't wait for the show. Oh, thank you so much, Nikki, and thanks to all uh, the people who sign up to chat. We really appreciate them as well as all our other listeners. Now, it's my great pleasure to bring on Robert Osborne, who's making his second guest appearance on our show. Welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters, Robert. Thank you. Nice to be here, particularly on this subject, because I think this is such a great movie, as you say, and uh, uh, has so many different interesting sidebars about it. I agree wholeheartedly, and we're we're just so glad that you could And a great treat to be here with uh, Rita Moreno as well. Oh, Thank absolutely. You. I knew, I know that you would, would enjoy that. And we're, we're very happy that Rita, who played Zelda in Singing in the Rain, could also be yeah, here. Yes, snippy little no. Zelda. Zelda. Yeah, we have to hiss first... a little when we say Zelda. She was a troublemaker. Zelda, <laughs> yes. Adorable. The one with the big the... mouth. Adorable, but a troublemaker, yes. You know, uh, Robert, this is the first time we've had a guest on our show who's won an Oscar a Tony, a Golden Globe, an Emmy, and a Grammy. Rita, congratulations on your multiple awards. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's a record. That's a record that very few people can match. It's, uh, I was, I'm very proud of it too. It makes me feel really, really special. You are special. You're you're a quadruple threat. You could sing, you can dance, you can do comedy, you can do drama, and uh, it's it's just such an honor to have, have you on, on our show as, as well as Robert. And Robert, we're always pleased when Diana Sanger and James Colt Harrison, two of your film festival yes. friends, can be yeah. with us. Yeah, and for uh, Rita, who maybe doesn't know this, but for a while, before we started the uh, TCM Classic Film Festival in Los Angeles, uh, we had one in Athens, Georgia. Um which was the Robert Osborne's Classic Film Festival. And it all was based kind of on the idea of the fact that you can love a movie and see a movie like Singing in the Rain, uh, you know, on television or wherever, but it's not the same as seeing it on a big screen. You see so oh. many mo- so <laughs> many different things when you see a movie on a big screen, particularly a blockbuster like Singing in the Rain. And the other thing is to see it with an audience 
in a theater because the reaction that you get from it. People get, you know, there are about four numbers in Singing in the Rain that people just, you know, hoop and holler when it's going on and when it's over. And that's that joint experience with other people is so important to a movie. Well, I agree. Only, not only that, but people, you know, this is your time out, Robert, and I'm interrupting, so somebody just stop ahead, me Rita. before I kill some more. <laughs> uh, but more than that, what's wonderful about watching it with an audience is that uh, unlike many, many other uh, films that come back, people don't sit there and yell and applaud after certain numbers. That's really that's something you do in theater, but it's not something that one associates with, with film. Yes, yeah, so it's something like Singing in the Rain. You know, you see the, uh, Gene Kelly and uh, Donald O'Connor doing that uh, uh, dance they do together, the uh, Moses Supposes number. I mean, that is just like, that's so joyous to see that you can't kind of be quiet when it's over. Same yeah, with that, that one is called Fit as a Fiddle. Fit as a Fiddle. No, no. Yeah. No, no. Moses Supposes is the number I'm thinking about. Oh, Moses about. Supposes because they did When they, when they do a fabulous dance in that. I think... I think that dance, uh, along with the one that uh, Fred Astaire and Eleanor Powell do in uh, Broadway Melody in 1940, when they do it to begin the beginning, I think those are like the two greatest single numbers uh, that have ever been put on the screen. But when you see Mm -hmm. something like that, you cannot not applaud or hoop or holler afterwards. But just everything about uh, so many aspects, the good morning number in in uh, Singing in the Rain is great with Debbie and uh, Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly and just one after another. Plus, you know, it does, oh, what, yeah. it does what a movie needs to do, and that is at least we have to have movies like this occasionally, and we don't so much anymore, but a movie that just makes you feel good when you leave the theater, that it's been such a good experience and taking all your troubles away for a couple of hours and just giving you a really good time. That's why I like to see it over and over again. Yeah. And that's why I'm so glad I get a chance to see it again on the big screen. I think Diana Sanger has a question for for you, uh, Robert. So uh, she was on our show um, the last time when, when you yes. were here, and you were here to talk about the festival that you just uh, mentioned. So, uh, so Diana, uh, what would you like to ask Robert? Hi, Diana. Good. Hi. It's wonderful to speak to you again. Same here. Same for me. Well, you know, Betty Jo's right. There are, or you're right. There's so many of these old films that just make people just feel great when they leave the theater. Unlike a lot of the movies we're seeing today. So these people <laughs> well, yeah, that are going to watch you, this on Thursday see, are very you, fortunate. You see, no country for old men, and you want to put a bullet in your head when you walk out. <laughs> I did a lot more. Well them. done. It's so well done and stuff. But, I mean, to pay pay twelve bucks and sit through that, and you come out, you're ready to just jump. <laughs> yeah, you're not dancing and singing. So what what are people really going to um enjoy special about this performance on Thursday? Well, I think I think what it's going to be such a surprise to some people who haven't seen it on a big screen is so many things you see that you don't see in it uh when it's on a regular screen and you're watching it at home with maybe just yourself or a couple of other people. Just the the pure joy of it. Um but also to see how uh, one of the things that I love about this film is the fact that when you've got dancers like Gene Kelly and um, Donald O'Connor particularly, they're filmed full body through the whole thing, and there are very few cuts in the numbers. So you know these guys are really dancing and what real talent they have. It's the same thing when you saw you know, West Side Story with Rita and George Shakira's dancing. 
you know, you're seeing full body and you're seeing, you know, that they're really dancing and dancing wonderfully well. There are other movies that come out today like musicals such as Chicago, and it's cut so much with so many quick cuts that you don't really know if those people are dancing or not. Right. You, you kind of see Richard Gere's head or um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and you see feet going, but you're never sure that they're sustaining a number or they're really dancing the number. And with Singing in the Rain, you really know, because you're seeing these people really exhibit this great talent of dancing and people that really know what they're doing. I think also that uh, when you cut to uh, half a body during a dance number, the, the number itself begins to lose energy. Yes, I you think really so. You really have to see head-to-toe dancing. Uh-huh. I oh, agree. Exactly, exactly. I, uh, speaking of head-to-toe dancing, Rita, I um, went over to YouTube and I watched you do the French tango on The Muppet Show, and that was, <laughs> uh, that was head-to-toe. <laughs> that was great head-to-toe dancing. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> Oh, this was my this dancing was such with a, a full size, full body size uh, Muppet. It was actually exactly. more than French. It was a an Apache. They used to call those dancers Apache, where the man would usually beat the woman around and throw her around the floor and all that kind of stuff, and she'd slap him and yell a lot. Those are called, and that was my idea. I told Jim about it, and uh, and, and uh, he just flipped at the idea. It looks great. I, I urge listeners to go over and watch that on on YouTube as well as your as your little uh, battle with uh, Animal when you were singing Fever and he was drowning <laughs> you out with the drums. <laughs> no wonder you won. No wonder uh, you won an Emmy for your work on the on the Muppets. But I think James is kind of chomping at the bit here uh, to ask ask you a question. Um, so I'm going to bring uh, James Colt Harrison in. Um, James, you're on now. Good. Hello. Good. Hi, hi, Rita. Hi, and hi, Robert. How are you? Uh, Rita. Yes. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, has your mantle collapsed with all those awards on it? Or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a flattering way to ask a question. Not at all. My mantle loves it. <laughs> right well, now, I, the, the, all the biggies, the five biggies are on my uh, piano. Oh, good, good for you. But I did have a question about Singing in the Rain, which is yeah. one of my favorite movies. It is uh, one of mine also. Well, since you were practically a baby in, in diapers when you made this film, you were so young. <laughs> I was. I was, uh, I think, just 17. 17? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> what was the most memorable thing to you about working on this uh, classic musical? Oh, that that's an easy question to answer. It was Is working it? With, yeah. with well, it was it was working with my idol and my icon, uh, Gene Kelly. Oh, I mean, no think of it this way: this little Puerto Rican girl who comes to this country from another country, speaks no English, and finds herself one day in her life in in the middle of the set of a, one of the great classic movies. Of course, nobody knew that at the time, but I I was beside myself. I visited the set. Constantly, I don't think I missed one number being shot, not one. Oh wow! I was seventeen for Pete's sake. Yeah, what a great treat. Yeah, you know, you bring a... up an interesting point because, uh, you know, it's deemed such a classic by so many people that I think that uh, it's kind of been forgotten that or never knew that 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 was, you know, it was a successful film certainly, but at the time there was no, uh, it didn't win any major Academy Award nominations except for. Uh, a couple of minor nominations, and also Gene Hagen was nominated for 
supporting actress but didn't win but it wasn't even a that yeah even that was unusual because nobody usually ever got nominated for a a uh, role no matter how brilliant in a musical yeah, musicals exactly. were just not thought of but as it wasn't up, material. it wasn't up for best picture it you know it was pretty much ignored because the year before Gene Kelly had walked off with a lot of the awards for uh American in Paris it was right. wonderful as the fact that people enjoyed it they didn't pay much attention to it then because in those days we were getting a new Gene Kelly movie at least once a year, if not twice, uh, and other studios were making musicals as well. So we kind of took all those for granted. But then as people look back on the movie industry, after that was kind of, you know, um, that whole change was being made that they weren't making many musicals and stuff, and then kind of rediscovered it, and then more people discovered it, to the point that now it is considered the best movie musical ever made, and I think my even that. my grandsons can't wait to see. One of my grandsons is coming with me to Washington oh, what fun. for the event, and he he can't wait because he's already seen my movie about uh, oh, I don't know five times, and he uh-huh. cannot wait. Well, that's going to be a big treat, but uh, it will. but it's it's so nice that a, a movie that good did not get uh, kind of overlooked. Uh, throughout the ages, but has been rediscovered by everybody and is now such a well-known classic. Indeed, yeah. and yes, I'm so and proud to just have been to see a part it on the it. big screen will be just—it'll be just so wonderful for people. Just to imagine seeing it for the first time. I'm kind of jealous of the people who, uh, you know, get a chance to see it for the for the first time because that—that uh, that is just—it's yeah, just so, so we so we showed it at our. Uh, TCM Classic Film Festival uh, in Grauman's Chinese last April when we had the festival. And it was a packed house. Uh, I think they have 2,500 seats. It was so much fun just to watch the audience and hear the audience reaction to it. Um, It was a truly great experience. So I think everybody who watches the the one-night showing that we have coming up on the 12th on Thursday – uh, are are going to be in maybe for more of a treat than they ever expected. Not only oh, that, I think, you know, I think people forget how funny that movie is. Oh, yeah. Oh. The visuals are incredible. By the way, as a little aside material, I don't, you probably know this, but uh, probably a lot of the audience doesn't, poor Donald O'Connor had to reshoot Make Him Laugh, that oh. crazy number where he was running yes. up the walls. yes. He had to reshoot it. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes, because he yeah. also got terrible burns on his body from the rug. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, he really killed himself, and when he, when he heard that he had to do it again, I think he practically wept. It's a tough number. Yeah. And he it does really it. Just, he does it brilliantly. I, I you know. Lost, I think I he stole a number of watching that. <laughs> I think he that. stole a number of scenes from uh, Gene. I actually. Keep looking at him during Fit as a Fiddle and Moses Supposed. Yes, I do too. I must say I and, do. And what really has amazed and, and dismayed me is that this man, because I, I remember talking to Gene and saying, well, he's just going to be a big, huge star now. But, you know, he was always around, but he was doing, talking to a mule. And, and Gene agreed. He said, I think this is going to do great, great things for him. He went right back. He was forced to. Go right back to yeah, unfortunately, stupid, he, horrible movies. He's one of those great examples of the fact that that he's at the wrong studio. He was at, under contract for years since he was a kid at Universal, and yeah. they didn't have the kind of money or the know-how to make great musicals. So when Donald Connor like went to MGM, did 
Singing in the Rain and went to Fox and did Call Me Madam and things like that. He had a place to really show what he could do. But uh, it's very sad because, you know, a lot of careers are made that way. I mean, if, you know, if Esther Williams, for instance, hadn't signed with MGM and signed, say, with Paramount or something, who didn't have the, the kind, didn't make the kind of movies that Esther Williams could shine in and probably couldn't afford a pool like MGM could, um, you know, her career would have gone a whole different direction. That's but a good point. He probably point. would have been doing shows on the road. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it. that's probably well, you know, Donald O'Connor did win the uh, Golden Globe for his uh, for best performance in a musical, and I didn't know that till I was doing some research. You know, ah, for today's show, I didn't know but that, that was a well well deserved award. I I wanted to ask uh, Rita <clears throat> about the character that she played in Singing in the Rain, Zelda. Tell us a little bit about about your character in Singing First in the Rain. First of all, what's what's interesting to me, I was a um, a young contract player at MGM, and I had only done my first movie prior to that, I believe. It was uh, uh, with Mario Lanza, who was a huge star at the time. And, um, uh, Is that Toast in New Orleans? Toast in <laughs> Yes, Mr. Arnold, yes, you well, know everything. <laughs> no, but I, I thought you were in that, as I recall, yes. I was. That was my first film with MGM. And when Gene Kelly... Uh, invited to me to be in his movie as Elder Zander, I was out of my mind with happiness because I thought, great, I don't have to use an accent. I don't have to wear that brown makeup. Because I had also, I think at that point I had also done a pagan love song with Esther. And again, it was the, you know, the dark, long dark wigs and, and, and hoop earrings. And with um, Gene, for whatever reasons, he couldn't care less. He didn't see past all, he saw past all of that stuff. And he just thought I would be a wonderful Zelda, period. And that alone, you know, endeared him to me forever. Not sure. that I needed I didn't need anything to help me with that. So um when uh it was it was uh, ascertained that I was going to be Zelda Zander, uh it also helped of course that I was a contract player. And uh, he would just as soon use a contract player as not. But um you know, and he may have been encouraged by the casting department, a guy named Bill Grady. Uh, to encouraged to try to use the young players, but he asked me to cut my hair, and in fact he wanted me to do a cut like um, like Sid Charisse had in that final number, which was the uh, what was the name of the actress who wore that haircut? Louise, Louise Brooks. Louise, Louise Brooks. Yes. Louise Brooks. Right. And uh, I said, Oh no, I I can't cut my hair. Yeah, I was Puerto Rican kid, and I said, Oh no, no, my mother would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I went home that day, and I and he looked at me like I was a lunatic. He said, "You won't cut your hair for this." And I said, in a tremulous voice, "No." And I went home saying, "Well, I just blew it. You know, I'm not going to get this." And for whatever reasons, he may have admired the fact that I said no to him because I can't think of too many people who did, particularly young actresses. He said, "Okay, we'll use a wig." And he put that Zelda Zander wig on me, because uh, and he saved the other one for uh, Sid, who looked just beautiful and sexy in it. Uh huh. Gorgeous. So that was my first experience. And then he decided at the premiere party scene, after the premiere, uh, that he wanted to open on a shot of me and a, a really old man doing a kind of um, tango. 
and um, and he choreographed that for me. And I just, I tell you, I was wetting my knickers. <laughs> I was the world's happiest Puerto Rican, no question. Well, that was exciting. That had to be exciting. Because that wasn't even part of of the scene. And then he just said, wait a minute, Rosita, because I was still Rosita. Rosita, come over here. And he called an old man. He said, can you do any kind of dancing? I said, oh, yeah. He said, good, I'm going to have you do a tango. And the poor man really got pale. And we just did It's a tiny, tiny, I don't know, half a minute little dance. And the camera goes past us after that. And, you know, the scene continues. But I was... So thrilled, so excited. I just, I, I went uh, behind the sets and practiced that damn thing. I think it had four steps maybe. And I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. And then I called upon this old fellow to come and practice with me so that we could be really pitch, pitch perfect uh, on the first take, which we were. And uh, I, I don't know, I guess we did it about six times or so, mostly because of camera difficulties and uh, uh-huh. I couldn't wait to do it again. I would have done that damn thing all day. <laughs> now, do, do you remember the first time you saw the movie? Yes. Completed? Yes. Well, I, I went to the premiere. You know, they had premieres in those days. Sure. Was, so that, much, was that a oh, grommet? get all dressed up and I borrowed something pretty from the costume department, something pretty to wear and um, oh, I loved it. And, you know, when I see it now, I, I, all I think of is, good God, not even one wrinkle on that face. <laughs> I mean, I I always looked young for my age anyway, but I really looked like I was, uh, I don't know, 16. I was very, very young and looked even younger. I loved the movie, by the way. Yes, you were the And, and as I said, I visited the set constantly. There isn't one musical scene that I missed. I did that with Summer Stock. I wasn't in that movie uh, with uh, Judy Garland, but uh, the great thrill of being at MGM, the studio of my dreams, you know, they made all the great musicals, was to visit the sets of all these fantastic musicals. Yeah, what a, what a treat. What a oh, treat. It was a dream come Particularly true. since you knew what you were seeing, you know, exactly. the genius of what you were seeing. Exactly. And I am, you know, whenever I tell these stories, I am the envy of all my friends because, oh, my God, you did. You met her. You did this. You did the what? Yeah. It was. I envy you. Too. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I know like, like, uh, and you know, I am a dinosaur. Like uh, the very few of us left is this uh, Debbie, of course. The great thing and is, is that you're still doing it. You're out there doing it. I'm and, still doing and it. All I'm of doing that. My, the, I'm doing a one woman show of my life called uh, Life Without Makeup, and I'm dancing in it. Uh huh. Yay. As, as, well, I'm, I'm, I call it sort of, kind of dancing. I am 80. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you don't look it, Rita. You really don't. Well, this is what my 80 looks like. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the benefit of all that exercise and dancing. Well, it helps a lot, but I really think jeans uh, has a great deal to do with it. Yeah, it has. Something. I mean, I love to take the credit, but really, really, I've always looked good for my age. My mom looked good for my age. My daughter looks good for her age. So it's in it's in the DNA. Well, you still have those beautiful legs. Well, they're not bad. They're not ter- <laughs> they're not perfect anymore, but they were. You know, I was looking at pictures of myself yesterday that I want to take to the publishers for my memoir, which is, by the way, going to be uh, published in in the spring. Okay. And I was looking at some of those pictures of me, and I thought, Oh my God, I was hot. 
That's for sure. That's for I mean, sure. I where can we see babe. your one woman show, Rita? Where can we see your one woman? The problem is uh, that I'm doing a series, a sitcom with Fran Drescher, which is called uh, Happily Divorced. Yes. And uh, they are. I'm under contract with them for something like 26 weeks. Whether we I do see. 10 a year, I mean 10 a season or not, that's what I'm under contract for. And if they change their minds after the first uh, season, they can just say, like they did this time, we're going to extend the second season. We want you to come back in October. Mm-hmm. If I had signed up to do my play somewhere, I would have really been in terrible trouble with the theater. I see. And that's the damn trouble with doing a series. It's My, my agent calls it a first-class dilemma because I can't – I cannot uh, – deliver to a theater when I would be free, because I never know. Mm-hmm. But it's so wonderful the, that you're keeping keeping busy, and and we'll, we'll watch. We'll definitely it's, it's wonderful, watch it's wonderful, but you know, it is, I'm dying to do the play again. It had enormous success at the uh, Berkeley Repertory Theater, and a lot of producers yeah. from all over the country came to see it, and they all wanted, including New York. <laughs> and I, and oh. I won't go to New York till we really refine it. So uh, oh it's a question of when, but you know, by the time I get to do the darn thing, I won't be able to dance. Not that oh, I was yeah. dancing before. Oh, I think you. I think you will. I think. Well, you, you will. know, they're yeah. going to be carrying me around. I had, I had two young men went dancing with me, and they're just going to be carrying me around and dragging me. I don't know that I want that. <laughs> I particularly want to see that. No, <laughs> I don't either. So you know, yeah, at that I point, to... yeah. yeah. I I. I've... I think you're gonna. I think I think you're gonna get that play up and running, and I think you're lo- going to look gorgeous. And I'm I feel really bad that I haven't that I that I forgot to ask Robert about uh, something else that's happening this week related to Singing in the Rain, and that's um, a special anniversary DVD to be be released sometime this week. What what is uh, so special about this uh, DVD, well, it's, Robert? Well, it, it's been uh, I believe it's been remastered. Uh, I think there's uh, also a Blu-ray, Blu-ray, yeah, Blu-ray edition of it, and then it's it's coming with all kinds of different things. It's coming with a hardcover book uh, oh. about it. It's coming with um, I think. There's, there's even an umbrella you get with it. Oh, um, yay! <laughs> but, and a lot of bonus material. Um, they've gone through and they've uh, gotten a lot of interviews with Debbie Reynolds and from the uh, archives from Gene Kelly and and Gene Hagen and everybody. And uh, they've put this together as kind of the ultimate collector's edition. And so, if you yeah, love, yeah, I think I did some of that material. I'm sure too. you're there. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen the the. Uh, extra stuff yet but it's you know it's on blu-ray so people that have the blu-ray uh players dvd players uh, which is such a you know really intense color and and uh photography and everything but it's just robert kind of, is uh is this is this is turner classics in, in charge of this production doing yes this? uh-huh i mean, you mean I, made, I made them promise when i did the interview i said you've got to send me a copy of that well, I'm sure they will, or they certainly should. I mean, I, I can afford it, but I'll be. 17. I can afford it, but I'll be darned if I'll buy it. No, I don't <laughs> think you should. I don't think you should. Uh, Not when you part- participate in that. But, that's uh, true. but that's basically what it's about. It's for people that uh, you know. But it's also uh, it's 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 a 
a gift to have, but it's also oh, yeah. a way by which uh, companies like Turner Classic Movies and Time Warner and all of those get you to buy another copy. You know, if you've already got a copy, they add enough things that you're kind of tempted to want to buy another copy. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and the, I would. The, the I definitely would. All that stuff, stuff. Is, is just gold. Yeah. Because, you know, if they, if they don't make money off these things, ultimately they'll stop putting out DVDs of movies and things like that. And we, it's such a great treat for those of us who love movies to be able to have access to these things. So, but And I think also the most important aspect of that, too, is uh, that your children. Yeah, exactly. You can make them understand what the heck all the fuss is about. Yeah. That's so important. I mean, it I'm is. so glad that I have movies that my grandsons, that I'm in movies that my grandsons love mm-hmm. because, I mean, they just go to school and say, that's my Grammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just feel just so And what's so, great, what's so great about all that, I think, is that you know, for so many years, nobody thought films had a lifespan. Uh, I know. Olivia de Havilland always tells a story about the, when... When they made Gone with the Wind, she said, you know, the the lifespan of a movie was usually one or two years, and then it was pretty much forgotten. And and I asked her in an interview if she thought when they made Gone with the Wind that it was something very special, and she said, oh yes, I thought it was very special. She had, I had great great hopes that, you know, it might last and play in theaters as long as five years, you know, and that's seventy five years ago, and that's it's still playing in theaters and around. So. Mm-hmm. The fact that these movies were made and were thought to be disposable, to be seen and forgotten, uh, that it's totally different now. And these movies are shown and watched again and again and have become a part of people's lives. And they're worth having around. They're like a great book that uh, you can reread and re-see. It's like and, having a great painting in the house yes. or a beautiful sculpture. It's art. And, and, and people say that they – some people – tend to think, well, it's an old movie. I really don't want to see it. I want to see something new. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's certainly not old. Uh, it's a new experience. It would be like saying you don't want to read Tom Sawyer because it's an old book. Uh, yes, exactly. But but yeah. it's just such such great pleasure for people to find a Singing in the Rain or uh, Gone with the Wind or a, a classic film. And One of my favorite experiences in watching the film at home was to introduce it to my two grandchildren. Uh, that was the first thing I showed them of mine. And when I when Zelda came on, <laughs> they looked at it and they looked at me and they looked at it and they said, "Is that you?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, yeah." I was a little younger. If you don't mind. <laughs> I love that. Uh-huh. Wait, I can't believe it's you, Grammy. <laughs> well. Rita, we have a. There's a question in the from the one of the chatters. Nancy Lombardo from Comedy Concepts. Uh, that's a, another show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, she wants to know if you've ever directed. You've you've just you know done so much, but have you ever directed or thought about directing? You know, I've thought about it, and then I think I'm too impatient. You know, I've seen myself working on scenes like a Trojan. And and uh, having a doc, a uh, having a director be really so patient with me, and I'm thinking, could I do that? And I'm thinking, I don't think so. I'd end up offending the actor. You know, I just can see me saying, well, you don't really want to do it that way, do you? <laughs> so you can't, so you you can't kind say of that. that. Out. If that was said to me, I would kill. 
I'm, yeah. I don't have the patience, but I you don't have to mind. Have a... But I don't mind. Um, I don't mind uh, volunteering ideas for people because I get great ideas. And if, I've, if it's an actor I really, really trust or an actress, I'll say, I try this. See, see what happens when you do this or that. And mm-hmm. inevitably, they'll say, oh, that's just great. That's so funny or whatever. And it makes me very happy, but that's as much as I ever want to do. I, I don't think I'd be good at it. I, I understand, uh, uh, and uh, we're kind of glad that you spent most of your time uh, entertaining us in, in other ways. And speaking of entertaining us, I promised our listeners that uh, we would play this little clip of uh, the very entertaining Debbie Reynolds, who was interviewed on our show. And this is a very short clip that I'd like to play, and then we'll get um, Robert and uh, Rita's reaction to it. So uh, this is where uh, Jazz Shaw and I had a chance to talk with uh, the delightful Debbie Reynolds. Now I'd like to ask you about Singing in the Rain, because everyone knows it's my favorite film of all time. And I was wondering how that movie ranks on your list of favorites. Well, I love the movie. I think it's outlasted everything, and it's uh, it's so good, and it's so ev- long-lasting. You know, it, it's timeless. The story is very simple and sweet and uh, charming, and the, mainly the singing and the dancing is brilliant, and that's to Gene Kelly's credit. Oh. Now, you, now, you worked with Gene Kelly, and... A lot of people have described him as the hardest working performer in Hollywood, and I was just wondering. Next to me, maybe. Impression of him, and did you pick up any things from? What was it like working with Gene Kelly back at that time in your career? Uh, he, uh, you know, he well, actually. Gene Kelly uh, was hardworking. Every dancer, Fred Astaire, Sid Charisse, Eleanor Powell, and Miller were all hardworking. There is no other way to dance. The only way hmm. you can dance is to sweat and blood, and it's you give your all and. So I can't say, uh, what do I remember, that Gene was a taskmaster, but he had to be because I had to learn. I knew nothing about dancing. I was 17 years old, and Gene was the director and Stanley Donnan, but he didn't really direct me. Gene did, and Donald O'Connor was brilliant. So I had to learn how to keep up with these two great guys. So I had an awful lot to learn and did, and Gene Kelly was a great teacher. He was tough, but he was great. He was a, a movie musical icon as far as I'm concerned, and you really gave those two, Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly, a run for their money in that movie, though, with yeah, the dancing. Absolutely. Wow, that uh, good morning good morning number. That, yes, the it three was view- wonderful, wonderful numbers and very hard numbers, but terrific, exciting numbers, and Donald did make him laugh, and he ran up a wall, and Gene, <laughs> Gene uh, Kelly did a great dance sequence with Sid Charisse, and everybody in it was sensational. Wow, that was such a fun interview with uh, with Debbie, and any listeners who haven't heard the full interview, please check our uh, archives. So, uh, so uh, Robert... Uh, anything you'd like to add about what uh, Debbie Reynolds said well, about uh, working yeah, and singing uh, in the rain? I think I think she really hits it on the head. When I know there's so much talk about Gene Kelly being a hard worker and and uh, Fred Astaire being a perfectionist and all that, but you know, to get the results that all those people get in the movies, um, the magic of the movies, I think, is the fact that when you read the biography, there's a new biography out 
about Spencer Tracy, who always made acting look so easy, like he just walked in and did it and was so comfortable and did it so well. Well, you read this book and you find out what hard work it was for him, how hard he worked to make it. And I think one of the geniuses about people in the movies uh, and on television is the fact that they make it look so easy. We all think, oh, I could do that. I mean, I could... Uh, Johnny Carson, I mean, he just sat behind a desk and and talked to people. I could do that. The fact is you can't. I mean, these people that do these things are so good at what they do. They make it look so easy that we feel comfortable watching it. And I think that that's something you always have to point out is that no matter how easy it looks, because these people are geniuses in what they do, it's not easy. And I think that's really uh, to their credit, and and not only the Gene Kellys and the Fred Astaire's that are truly geniuses of what they do, but but everybody that works in under the strain of a camera with a lot of people watching them and focused on them, and the ner- what that does to the nerves or can do to the nerves, and and the concentration they have to have, and the expertise they have to have. Uh, plus remembering lines they have to say and make it look natural. I mean, I think I'm just in awe of performers that do that. And I love the fact that Debbie points out about how how hard everybody works on a film. It's true. That. And also, particularly, dancers have to work hard. Yes. It's not easy at all to learn those steps and put them together in a, in a sequence. But you'll make it, it look is, so easy. That's just the genius. Well, of that it. that's what comes from working. That comes from when I say working, we're talking about rehearsing, doing it over right. and over and over. Jerome Robbins damn near killed me, I think, in West Side Story, but I hadn't <laughs> danced in years and years and years. And man, he didn't let up, and I was every bit as stubborn as he, and I just thought. I'm going to get this right or die trying. And it's, it, you know, I don't want to bring in West Side Story. We're talking about the singing in the rain. But it's something you do as a dancer. It's like tennis, yeah. any physical sport. You have to work at it and practice and practice and practice so you want to scream. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about dancers is, and I imagine sports figures too, they don't mind doing it over and over and over. It's just something you do. You know, some people go to work and do a number of different things, chores. But when you're a dancer or a tennis player, there's only one thing you do. And in addition to everything else with dancing, you need to develop a style. Mm-hmm. That yes. is probably the hardest thing to do. Style. Yes. And what I didn't have when I went to, to MGM and what Debbie didn't have was a sense of style. As she said, she's just was literally starting from scratch, which is remarkable when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't even know what that meant. It was, of course, why I love Gene Kelly. It was why I love Sicheries, because not only of their physical abilities, but because they developed a style which is very, very unique to that person. Yes, and uh, it it really does uh, make a difference then in in how we're entertained when we see the dancers with with the style. And uh, you're certainly one of them along with with Debbie. And I wanted to ask um, all of our guests uh, this one question uh, because Debbie did say that she felt that seeing in the rain was uh, timeless. Uh, I think that's a, a very good word for it, but... Robert, why do you think uh, Singing in the Rain has remained such a beloved film for so long? Well, because I think it's – 
I think it's. Uh, I don't think there's a, a moment in it that when you're watching the film, you're not looking forward to seeing that scene again. There's no yes. dead spots in it. Uh, it makes you feel so good when you come out of it. You're watching talented people. The songs are very upbeat and merry. It's put together by a man like Arthur Freed, who really knew how to produce a movie and the rhythm of a movie. Uh, Gene Kelly and Stanley Donna were, you know, kind of new at at directing and choreographing a film and very enthusiastic about it. And so they were like hungry uh, to make their mark with, with that film as they had been with the, you know, two or three others they'd made beforehand. So everybody was kind of eager and starting, you know, even though Gene Kelly was a well-established star by that point, but it, it just is made with a lot of enthusiasm. It's also set at a time long enough ago that it doesn't feel dated in any way. It's not as though it's a movie that takes place at the time it was made in 1952, but it's uh, it's taken place at a, at a a period enough before that that it's a kind of a period picture, but it's kind of timeless in there too. It's also a very funny subject, uh, actually a serious subject, but told in a humorous way. The the the, the tragedy for many people and the problems of Hollywood when it went from silent film era to sound um, yeah. uh, it's got this great script by Comden and Green and it's just there's so many pluses about it and I can't think of a negative about it Gene Hagen is so delicious as Lena Lamont and Kathleen <laughs> Freeman who's the big heavy set woman that plays the, uh, Kathleen the vocal Freeman. coach I can't stand it I can't stand it, I and, can't stand it. <laughs> and they're all so <laughs> funny it's just That's wonderful just... So, and you know what else? I just think, it, to put it in the most succinct manner, it's a perfect movie. Uh-huh. Yes. There is nothing, even for an instant, wrong with that no. movie. And the fact it that... It succeeds at everything it aims at. But also, the fact that it was made in 1952, and everything about the world has changed since 1952, morality, uh, standards, I mean, everything has changed. But that movie stayed the same, and we still reacted the same way that people did in 1952 that saw it. You, you know, know, now that I'm talking about it so much, I can't wait till Thursday. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I really. think people who are who are listening feel feel the same way about it. I I wonder if uh, James and Diana have uh, have anything to add to that uh, explanation that the two of you have given about why it's remained so popular. Uh, Diana, anything you'd like to add uh, to why uh, Singing in the Rain has has remained uh, very very popular for for 60 years now? Well, I think Robert pretty much covered it all, but he's absolutely right because it it was just the it containing everything you needed to see and leave with when you left the theater. There was drama, there was joy, there was happiness, incredible talent. The singing, the songs just filled you with joy. And I don't know if you guys know, but there's very few films on Rotten Tomatoes that are have a 100% approval rate, and Singing in the Rain is one of them. Oh, that's great. Wow. Great. How do they feel well, about The King and I, Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I, love, I love that, too. Because, you know, I have done, I'm in a number of classics, which a lot oh, of yes. actors can, who have had immensely more success than I can't say. And you think about it, Singing in the Rain, The King and I, West Side Story, that's three. Carnal Knowledge is a classic. Right. That's it four. Is. And I think there's one more and I can't remember it. 
I'm in it, but I can't remember it. <laughs> well, we'll. I recommend all of those films that that you've uh, that you've mentioned, and and we want to let James have 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 his say too, in um, why he thinks Singing in the Rain has remained so popular. Well, I, I'm afraid I, I I'm such a fan of Roberts. I I agree with everything he says, but I actually do believe <laughs> what he says. Well, I had a quick question for you, Robert. Yes. Uh, Donald O'Connor, I thought, was absolutely brilliant in his dancing. Why was he so good, and why was he in such terrible movies? And, well, and well, why I, I, didn't he make it over to MGM? Why didn't they sign him up? Well, because he was already had a long contract with Universal. Uh-huh. And, he, he was there on loan out from Universal. Yeah. Oh, and I then see, he went yeah. back to Universal, and they made so much money with the Francis movies because they, you know, they made their movies for about. Three dollars and twenty-five cents, and <laughs> yes. and they made a lot of money with that. And I was and in I a do, few of those. I do think that after a while, Donald got rather discouraged with that. I think he started drinking a bit too much, and I think maybe mm. his ambition. He also, you know, had been in vaudeville as a kid, and I think that so many of those people that spent so much time uh, traveling as a kid, not really having a life and everything like that. Got to a point when when they weren't as ambitious as they once had been or might have yeah. been otherwise. Yeah. Because they'd already, since they were kids, been through the mill, and you know Donald had been around a long time and did a lot of good work and never got a lot of credit for it because of the studio he was at. I think Donald really got very sad and depressed. Yeah. When uh, uh, Singing in the Rain didn't make him a huge star, yeah, and you know he was he drank. Quite a bit, and yeah. you could see it in his face. He was puffy, and he was a sad, sad man. He wasn't the most articulate person in the world, and he was very shy. Yeah, and the, and uh, he the, was but, holding all of this sadness and disappointment inside himself. And that's, I think that's it's why, why he again, took the drink. I brought up about the fact that it wasn't enormously. I mean, it was a success certainly, and well, much loved. But it wasn't like the kind of bombastic success that it became later. No, it wasn't a blockbuster. Yeah, so he wasn't, he didn't get the benefit of that because by the time people really turned around and really looked at it, he was older, he was, you know, not dancing as much and and, uh, lazier. So, and as you said, kind of discouraged. So, well, he lost his spirit. Yeah, that's the sad part of it because if he'd been at, if he'd been around and, you know, kind of discovered later in his life and was, um, you know, signed by MGM or something, it would have had a totally different career because MGM had the resources to really do what uh, and take advantage of what Donald was so good at doing. But those other studios, when he worked, and he was wonderful in those things at Fox that he did, like um, uh, his numbers in There's No Business Like Show Business, and of course his, yeah. he, had a, he had a great part in Call Me Madam with Ethel Merman and Vera Ellen. and uh, so I love w- Melvin and Marla Monroe. Yes. So whenever whenever he got a chance to be at a major studio that really knew how to make musicals, he was fine. But the musicals he did at Universal are very anemic and not very interesting. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know how to produce musicals like MGM. No, oh, MGM didn't. was the best, mm-hmm. absolutely the best. That freed that freed unit when you think yes. of the oh of the my god, the freed unit. Just, uh, <laughs> was, it was just There's it was a wonderful just great. story about make him laugh, Robert. Do you know the the, the uh, about the fellow who actually wrote Be a Clown? Yes, Arthur I, I, Freed. Uh, and they took 
be a clown. Cold and musically set it set it on its head. And yeah, that's well, they make took, him laugh. If if you listen, yeah, Cole Porter wrote uh, "Be a Clown," and it's a uh, they needed. Cole, a, Cole Porter was not thrilled. They needed a, a better number for Donald to do, and or a number of whatever. And Arthur Freed, who was a songwriter before he was ever a producer, said, "I'll come up with something. I'll come up with something because all the music in Singing in the Rain was by Arthur Freed." And so the next day he came in with this song and they played it and. Uh, Gene Kelly recognized right away that it was be a clown set on its head. Set on its head, and and <laughs> literally. They were... And if you sing it, be make them laugh, make them laugh. Be be a clown, be a clown. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, it's just no, so similar. Yeah, I know. And so, <laughs> no. according to Kelly, they just you know he was afraid of offending Arthur Freed by by telling him he he'd copy this somebody else's song. But uh, they held their breath, and Cole Porter, gentleman that he was, never never sued them or anything like that. No, but actually he probably would not have won the suit because they said it on its head enough. Uh-huh. You can do this musically, which is so bizarre. My, my arranger on a number of occasions has done that for other movies where they say, well, you know, we want it to sound like this, uh-huh. but write it differently. Uh-huh. You can do that musically, and, and uh, he... I don't think Cole Porter would ever have won a suit like that. Yeah, but he was also <laughs> he also was a gentleman smart enough to have a good relationship also, with MGM. Exactly. So, exactly. so he's not going to well, do that over a song, but but that is well, funny. as long as as long as we're giving giving some uh, little uh, trivia things about singing in the rain. I heard that uh, I heard from Debbie Reynolds when she was here in Pueblo uh, speaking in front of a room full of about seven hundred people. Uh, at a function for the YWCA, she told a very, very s- funny story about uh, the "You Were Meant for Me" number that she did with uh, with Gene Kelly. It's a very uh, lovely number. It's it's one of my favorites. But uh, I hesitate to repeat this. Is that uh, about the wig? Be- yes, about the wig. Could you tell? Uh, well, you, could you can, relate you can, that, Robert? You can tell that, but. Um... Oh. <laughs> It's your show. You tell it. (laughs) Oh, good. My show. I get to tell a funny story about singing in the rain. Well, (laughs) Debbie Reynolds, during rehearsals, she would would chew gum a lot. uh, She was on a ladder. uh, yeah, and, the, and you were meant for me. It's on this sound stage, and uh, uh, she climbs up the the ladder, and Fred Astaire, you know, climbs. I no, mean, no, Gene, Gene Kelly, Kelly climbs up the climbs up the ladder, and uh, she had forgotten to take off to take her uh, chewing gum out, so she took it out, and then when when Gene Kelly climbed down the down the ladder to start dancing, his toupee was stuck on the chewing gum, <laughs> so he was dancing without it. How did, <laughs> How did that happen? Well, she, How did that happen? How did that happen? No, she, he's standing kind of under her, and yeah. on the on the, one of the rungs of the ladder, she put the chewing gum on the underneath and pushed it up against the thing of the ladder. Oh! So, so when <laughs> and his... so at one, at one point he goes up a little and then he comes down. Well, when he went down, the the gum. Sticking on the top, uh, yeah, uh, adhered to the, <laughs> and the the wig the, the, the started to stay with him instead of going with Gene. Oh, that is funny. So, so anyway, I hope that doesn't uh, spoil 
that beautiful you were meant for me romantic scene for anybody who hasn't seen i, I love it i can't wait now. to see that part again and, and giggle to myself that that should be good and uh i you rita and robert you have been so generous with your time, you know, well, our show is usually 45 minutes long. Thank heavens I had brains enough to extend it for 15 minutes <laughs> because I didn't want to rush anybody. But I am just so, so pleased. Well, with, I've had a great uh, time, and I I, I so uh, 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 appreciate your show and what you do and talking about older films and classic films, and I wish Rita so much fun when she watches it with her with her family. Guaranteed, and, Robert. And they get guaranteed. to see it on a big screen. What a, what and a I'll treat see you on be. the telly, Robert. Yes. So okay. thank you all. Nice talking to all of you. And oh, it's James been and so, Diana, such too. A, it's been such a treat to have both of you on the show. And, and uh, um, now Robert's been on our show two times, Rita. You've only been on once, and you have lots more stories to tell us. So, well, I'm not 80 we, for nothing. <laughs> oh my gosh! We have those of us that are eighty. We have a lot of stories, right? So, so could could we count on you to to coming back sometime well, I'd love in the future? To. It's, I love talking about old films. It's such a it's such fun. It is. It is. And it brings back we'll, it brings back some very happy memories. Meanwhile, I have to go back and and pack for Thursday. Yes, and I hope you I hope you have a safe and and fun trip, and um, I think that the event is just going to be wonderful, and uh, you're you're going to enjoy singing in the rain again. And what a treat! What a treat for them to have you there. Yes. Well, my gosh, you know, there's just so few of us. What there's uh, Stanley Donan still around, Je- Debbie's still around, and I'm around, and I think, uh, as far as I know, that's it, isn't it? I well, think it may be. Yeah, it may be, and we're so wow. glad that you're that you're uh, willing to to talk about the film and to share and to share your your time with us. So um, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much, and bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Oh my gosh, Diana and and James. Yes. Was that ever wonderful? That was one of the greatest shows we've ever done, and I'm so glad you asked me and Diana, my my big pal, to be on the show. We love it, you know, and, and to be able to talk to these people is a, a great thrill for us because we're great uh, classic movie fans. Oh, we are. We love classic movies, and uh, I had no idea that, that um, Robert and uh, Rita had never uh, met so they were eager to talk with each other, and it was so free and easy and just uh, so interesting to hear them uh, talk with each other. Did did you enjoy that, Diana? I think Diana is having some some trouble here, and and we've we've lost her. Oh but, my goodness! Uh, oh, yeah. but we really well, appreciated we really appreciated her her being uh, with us and and you too uh James and I'm sorry I we don't have time for me to um thank individually all of my Facebook friends and uh, email buddies who sent me their picks for the the their favorite singing in the rain musical number but I will say that um I've tallied everything up and the title song singing in the rain does win as the most oh. popular, followed by Good Morning, 
and others that are mentioned or make them laugh. Moses supposes, all I do is dream of you, and uh, the one that you mentioned, James, fits as a fiddle. So thank you guys for for sending um, those very, very uh, interesting responses. But it's time to wrap things up now. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for featuring this episode as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. Thanks again to Robert Osborne, Rita Moreno, Diana Sanger, and James Colt Harrison for being such terrific guests today. And thanks also to Nikki Starr, Danny Dyer, and Neil Haley for their help with the show. Thanks to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. As the great Gene Hagen's character, Lena Lamont, <laughs> said in Singing in the Rain, if we can bring a little joy into your humdrum lives, it makes us feel as though all our hard work ain't been in vain for nothing. That's all for now, folks. <laughs> so here's Gene Kelly to take us out with the iconic title song from Singing in the Rain. I'm singing in the rain, you're singing in the rain, what a glorious feeling. And I'm happy again I'm laughing at clouds Dark up above The sun's in my heart And I'm ready for love Let the stormy clouds chase Everyone from the place Come on with the rain I will smile my face, I walk down the lane with a happy refrain, just singing, singing in the rain, dancing in the rain. I'm happy again.